When we think about the resurrection, it's just not about looking at an empty cross because in most of our churches, we've only seen an empty cross. We came to Christ because of an empty cross. But in most cultures, you, 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 you see the symbols. And so what I want you to begin to do is I want you to begin to see the, the, the symbolicness of Jesus being on a cross. Because Easter has everything to do with him being on a cross. We call it Resurrection Sunday, but you cannot get to the resurrection until you get to a cross. The cross has to be your first, it has to be the first phase before you go to the grave, before they bury you, before the tombstone is rolled away. There has to be a bloody cross. And I believe that the bloody cross is what keeps us in sync with the purpose and the fulfillment of Jesus' life. Because if you can imagine, he was a human on the cross. He was not somebody who did not feel the pain, but let me tell you this, Jesus felt all of the pain. He felt all of the stripes. He felt all of the bruising. He, he felt it all, all at one time, over a 24-hour moment. He was beaten. He was battered. He was bruised. He was punched in his face. He was, he was whipped with the cat and nine tails where they pull flesh from his body. And he was, he was scorned so much to the point that they said that in the natural, when they saw him, he looked like hamburger meat. His flesh was, he was annihilated. We're talking about the reckless love of a savior. See, a lot of times we make Resurrection Sunday real pretty, but there's nothing pretty about a cross. There's nothing glorious about a cross. That there's nothing glorious about that night in the garden. There's nothing glorious about that, that chamber that they took him to and they beat him and they laughed at him and they punished him and, and, and they despised him while, he, while they were doing it. it, 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 it it's different when, when mom and dad chastise you because they love you and it hurts them to chastise you, but it did not hurt them to beat him. It, 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 they laughed while they, punch, while they punched him in the face. And can you imagine it? It's called the, rest, the, the reckless love of a savior. I am Jesus. No man, no human could have handled all of this. And as I begin to look at his life and as I begin to think about it, how does a man take that type of punishment and still carry a cross. How does a man take that type of beating and you still make it to the cross? How does a human being endure that type of punishment and you still walk up Golgotha's hill and you stand on the cross and you allow them to put the nails in your hand? You, you allow them to put the nails in your feet. You allow them. You allow them to do it. 
how it's called the reckless love of a savior I am Jesus when you think about resurrection Sunday uh, it was not a funny thing it's not something that we make jokes about uh, when you think about it can you imagine looking at your son looking at your own daughter looking at your own loved one and you can't do anything about it because they understand that this is my purpose when you think about Jesus Christ he didn't just do it for you but he did it for his daddy he did it for his father because he said I can only do what I've seen my father do I can only go where I see my daddy go I can only stand because of the grace of my father but even his own father turned around and turned his back on him and left him to die there on the cross by himself it's called the reckless love of a savior. Can I, can I give it to you today? Uh, that's why Resurrection Sunday is so important because it's not only the, the, the issue that he got up, but how did he get in the ground? He went into the ground, beat, battered, and bruised. I want to talk about that part because it's easy to celebrate that he got up, but how did he get there? He had to travel a road. He had to travel the road. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thine sight. For it is your strength and your redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. When we think about it, love is what you do for others. Although love is not always reciprocated, it should always be given freely. I, I remember growing up when my father would talk to me about loving people because I had an issue that my dad loved people who did him wrong. That my dad served people who did him wrong that my dad allowed people to laugh at him and he still loved them and he would always tell me the way that I love people is the way that I'm supposed to love people and sometimes when I love them I may not receive it back but that has nothing to do with the way that I love you and he would tell me all the time, I, I need you to be quiet, son, because you're messing up my blessing, because you, you, you're messing up my blessing. You're getting in the way. Move out of the way. Get, get out of my way. Uh, go sit down because you really don't understand it. And I grew up bitter because my father and my mother served in many capacities of ministry, and, and, and people, people betrayed them. People denied them. People doubted them. When I look at my wife's family, her father and her mom did the same thing. When I look at people that I'm connected to, they, they went through this. Love is not always reciprocated, but it should always be given freely. There is no charge for loving somebody. There is no charge, but there is a cost. Uh, that, that there is no honorarium for loving somebody, but there is a cost for giving it. <laughs> Did you hear it? When, when you love somebody, you, you have to count the cost of what you're doing. 
If we were to define these two words, reckless love, when we think about it, uh, love is an intense feeling of deep affection for one or something, a person or something. That word reckless, reckless, the definition, reckless of a person or action without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. So if we are to think about reckless love, it is a deep affection towards a person or something that has already counted the cost of the consequences that may be returned to you even though you're giving it freely. Reckless love has a consequence. The consequence, it is the action in which you are loving people when you think about it and you look at reckless love how many of you really have a real issue in loving people that don't love you back come on raise your hand be, be honest today don't you you got an issue with loving people that don't treat you right raise your hand you you got an issue with with loving people who don't respond to you the way you feel that they should respond but when you look at the definition of reckless and love it it represents the affections of consequences that you may not receive what you give out reckless love the reckless love of a savior when you think about it three different kinds of people who will teach you how to respond with reckless love when we look at the life of Jesus he he comes in and he has to learn how to love people uh, we, we already said it, but now faith, hope, love, abide these three. The greatest of these is love. You can do all three, but if you don't love, then nothing else matters. You can't really walk in faith if you don't have love. That's what the scripture is saying. You, you can't really operate in, in hope. If you don't really operate in love, Lo love has everything to do with what you give and what you offer. When you love somebody, you're offering all of you. You, you can't love somebody and just give them a piece of you. That's not love. That, well, that can be love, but it's not reckless love. All right, let's reestablish that. You can love somebody, but not love them recklessly. You can walk in love but not have reckless love. Jesus was the example of a man that operated in reckless love. He understood the consequences that what I'm giving out, I can guarantee you I'm not going to get 95% of it back in return. I'm going to get something worse. I'm going to be denied. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be doubted. I'm going to be persecuted. All of the things that are happening to me, more than likely, I'll not get it back I'll not get it back reckless love three kinds of people that you must encounter if you really want to experience the reckless love of a savior father I love you with all of my heart Jesus I love you with all of my soul be careful I love you more than anything I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. 
just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything, more than being punched in the face, more than going to the cross. You love him just that much. I want to see if you, I want to really see how much you love him today. The reckless love of Jesus. Jesus encounters three people that exemplify his reckless love. And reckless love really is, is seen with people that you know. Reckless love is exemplified with people that you know, people that are very, 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 very close to you, your family. <laughs> your family, your wife, your husband, your best friend. I'm not talking about your, 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 your comrades or your peers. Jesus experienced and exemplified reckless love in three areas with three people who were in his personal circle. circle. They knew him. They knew him. They knew him. They knew him. They spent time with him. Number one, let's get to it. The first person that you will encounter as you begin to walk in a season of reckless love, number one, those who deliver you into the hands of your enemy while you're in a garden moment. Luke 22 and 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? <laughs> Lord, I love you more than anything. While you're being betrayed by the person that is walking with you every day. The person that is ministering with you every day. Judas was assigned to betray Jesus at a moment in his life where he was broken and vulnerable. Your betrayal will happen at the most craziest points in your life. Jesus knew coming into the game that he was going to be betrayed. He knew he wasn't surprised, but it still had to happen. Even though you know that you got somebody that ain't on your side, Joya, you still got to know that it's going to happen. It, 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 it has to happen. He, Judas betrayed Jesus at the craziest moment in his life. Where did he betray him at? He, he didn't betray him at the Lord's Supper. He didn't betray him while he was ministering. He, he didn't betray him while he was healing, Emilisa. He, he didn't betray him while he was doing all of the good things. He, he, he decided to betray him at his broken and vulnerable moment in his life where he could not fight back. When, when, when you're really operating in reckless love and, and your Judas betrays you, you won't be able to fight back. You're going to be at the broken point of your life and you're going to be so vulnerable that you literally have to stand there and accept that this has happened in your life. Uh, uh, those who deliver you into the hands of your enemy, they, they bring you right to the place, bring your enemy face to face with you and say, there he is, and then has the audacity to greet you with a kiss. The devil is alive. Lord, I love you more than anything. 
That's reckless love. You understand that if you're really walking in reckless love and we're thinking about the life of Jesus Christ, he understood that he would be betrayed at a vulnerable and broken point in his life. Your Judas is in your life to challenge your response in the face of betrayal. You've got to expect it to happen. Your Judas will teach you how to see them face to face. See them for what they are. They're your friend, but they betrayed you. Uh, think about it. Judas was not Jesus' enemy. Judas was not foreign to Jesus. He was a trusted friend. He was a trusted servant. He was a trusted leader. He was a trusted brother and sister. He, he was somebody that Jesus trusted with his entire financial investment. Oh, right, come on now. People that betray you, I'm talking about real betrayal. I'm not talking about people that backbite. This is not backbiting. Uh, he betrayed him. He, he traded him for his own personal gain. Your Judas will teach you how to reach out to them. Embrace them although they have forsaken you. Lord, I love you more than anything. Do you love them more than anything now? Come on now. You, 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 you got to be able to embrace them back when they embrace you with the kiss. Because the kiss was not to say that I don't love you. The kiss was to say, I I'm sorry, but I had to do it. I'm sorry, but I, I didn't have any other choice. I, I had to take the 30 pieces of silver. The kiss is to say I honor you. The, the kiss is to say I'm going to miss you. The kiss is saying it hurts me more than it hurts you. But I had to do it. The reckless love of a Savior. Come on now. I love this. I, I love this. Jesus could have chosen another path in the, in the way he responded to the betrayal of Judas. However... He chose to walk in reckless love of embracing him. In most cases, we want to reject and push away our Judas. Remember your relationship and personal interaction with Judas cannot be avoided. Candace, you can't avoid it. Jaira, you can't avoid it. Robinson, you can't avoid it. Lord, I love you more than it. Do you really love him now? That's why you got to be careful in what you sing. Because you said, I love you more than anything. If you love me more than anything, well, take this betrayal right in your face. Take the betrayal of somebody who has come against you. And really, this is not hating because Judas wasn't hating on Jesus. It was Judas' assignment. It was his assignment to betray, oh my God. Some people are assigned to betray you at the most vulnerable and broken places in your life and their assignment is to see you face to face and watch you go down. Watch you lose. Watch you go to trial. Watch you go through the tribulation. But there is an application of reckless love that you and I need to operate in when you're betrayed. You got to learn to bless those 
who persecute and despitefully use you for their own personal gain. You, you know, when I wrote this lesson, I wrote it with my dad in mind, and, and I put a long story together, but, you know, my wife got on me and said, baby, you, you know, you got to get right to the lesson, and so one day I, I'll read it to you. But, but um, I, I wrote in there where my father began to talk to me about love, and I, and I would literally tell my dad, I'm not Jesus, and I'm not you. They're not going to treat me like that. Forty-some years later, they're treating me exactly like that. Exactly like they did my dad. And exactly, and I hear my wife telling me, you're the pastor. So what, I'm the pastor. If they keep talking, I'm going to say something. Reckless love says that you got to bless those who persecute you. There's a difference between haters and persecutors. Haters are ignorant people. Persecutors are skillful, wise, and intelligent people who have an assignment to persecute you and to despitefully use you for their own personal gain. 30 pieces of silver. What is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? But you got to love your Judas. Number two, when we think about it, number two, the reckless love of a Savior is you got to deal with those who deny you in the times of trials and tribulation. Matthew 16, 22 and 23 says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Peter was assigned to deny Jesus at a moment in his life where he had to walk alone. You betray me. And then you sit at the table and you have all of this stuff to say, but when you think about it, your Peter will love you more than your purpose in life as it pertains to their personal relationship with you. Why does all this matter when they don't even care about you? I used to say that to my father all the time and he would say, Satan, get thee behind me. You're, you're, you're causing me to stumble, son. Go, go outside. Go play. You're, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're saying. You're, you're ruining my blessing. Your, your Peter loves you so much that he only cares about his personal relationship with you. He doesn't see that your assignment is to be taken advantage of. He doesn't understand that it's your assignment that you are to love people in spite of how they love you. you. You are to finish your course and finish your race and you're to stay there until the work is done. Peter is saying, God forbid it. He, he has the nerve to rebuke Jesus, but Jesus understands that if I allow Peter to operate in my life, then I am going to refuse the cross because guess what? Nobody wants to live in denial. 
Nobody wants to be denied by people that they love the most. Nobody wants to experience it, but here it is. Peter will challenge you to remain focused on your assignment. Stay here with me. That's the focus of Peter. Peter Peter wants you to stay here with us. Peter doesn't want you to leave. Peter really doesn't care about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus, we can find another place. We can go here and we can go there. You don't have to mingle with these people. Just leave. Just, just sit down. Just be quiet. But Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me sometimes you got to tell your Peter get thee behind me you got to really call it out Satan was using Peter he, he was using Peter to, to, to try to get Jesus to avoid the cross because all of this has everything to do with the cross it has everything to do with the cross it has everything to do with, with allowing God's will to come to pass. Your, your Peter will bite off more than they can chew. Peter is the one that's the leader of the group. Peter's the one that's always going to be ready to fight first. Peter's the one that's going to have the hot temper. Peter's the one that's going to speak up. Who do you say that I am? Because he was talking to the he was talking to all of the 12 disciples and Peter decided to say, "You are the Christ." Peter spoke up. Your Peter will speak up. It'll bite off more than it can chew. I will never leave you. I'm going to always be by your side. I'm going to be your ride or die. I'm going to hang in there no matter what happens. Uh, when you call me at midnight, I'm going to be there. When you call me in the noonday, I'm going to be there. Whatever you need me to do, Jesus, I'm going to be there. Peter bites off more than he can chew. And Jesus forewarns Peter that the denial will happen. That before you can think, you're going to deny me three times. But before you can process all of this, you would have denied me publicly three times your Peter has to deny you so that you can fulfill promise in your life that hurts Reverend Chris when you're Peter the one that told you I'm going to be right there man Tierra, I, I ain't going to never leave you. I, I'm going to stand right there. And the moment that you see Jesus going through, and the moment that you see all of the things that are happening, your Peter never knows how to count the consequences of reckless love. Because when you say you love me more than anything, you deny me while they're punching me in my face. You deny me when they say, oh, he's one of the 12. He used to hang out with Jesus. I don't even know that joker. I don't know what he's going through right now. Now, uh, just think about it. When, when calamity hits your life, how many people turn off their phones? How many people don't know you now? When tragedy hits your life, how many people are there to help you to pick up the pieces? Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> I remember the moments. I remember the moments when we lived in denial where people acted like they didn't know us. And my father would tell me, man, they just tried to act like they didn't know that I was here. Have you ever walked in a room and people did this? Yeah, how you doing? And how you doing? And, and, and avoided you purposely because of stuff that was on your name. 
because of an assignment that was on your life. Three kinds of people that you deal with in life. If you really want to walk in, in reckless love, you, you got to deal with those who betray you, your Judas. You got to deal with those who deny you, your Peter. But how do I apply the application of reckless love to one who denies me? You've got to be able to restore those who have lost their way in life and ministry. Jesus knows that Peter has denied him. However, he understood that restoring Peter was important to the kingdom and the foundation of the large church. I want you to catch this. You cannot forgive those who betray you and allow your Peter to remain lost and broken. We've got so many Peters in the church because Peter was a good man. Judas was a good man. But guess what? In life, you'll forgive somebody who betrays you and leave somebody lost who denied you. It was Judas' assignment to betray Jesus. It was Judas' assignment to deny Jesus, but it was not, it was, it was Peter's assignment to deny Jesus, but it was not Jesus' action to allow him to remain in a state of denial. How many people have we allowed in our lives to live in denial? You forgave Judas when you embraced him. Uh, come on now. You, you forgave him when you embraced him. But Peter walks away and you never go after him again. Peter walks away and you never find that Peter in your life that was fighting in the garden, that was willing to give his life. But he had to deny you so that you could get to the cross. See, see, reckless love has everything to do with your assignment in the earth. People are treating me like this because they've been assigned to treat me like this. See, when you understand your assignment, you can go back and find Peter fishing because that's where I found him in the first place. Your Peters will always go back to where you found them. He was fishing. He denies Jesus three times. Jesus walks up on him and says, do you love me? Peter's still mad. Peter's still got an attitude. Peter's still dealing with the fact that he denied Jesus, but Jesus understands that Peter is the key to the kingdom because he says, who do you say I am? You are the Christ. You are now the rock, Cephas. He establishes him. Your name is Peter, the rock, Petra. You are the keys, the rock, now becomes Petros, the rock, the foundation. Here it is. Peter is standing there and Jesus says, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? You know that I love you. I said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Well, drop what you're doing and follow me again. See, so we got to restore those who have lost their way in our assignment. Come on now. Peter lost his way in his assignment in denying Jesus. But Jesus understands the importance of Peter's life. You got to 
deal with those who betray you, deal with those who deny you. And then number three, if you really want to walk in reckless love, you got to deal with those who doubt what you have accomplished. John 20 and 25. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of your side, I mean into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe you will have a Thomas that is a sign to your life, the doubting people. You watched me go to the cross. You watched me and you heard the news of me being beaten. You, you watched my life and you heard the story of me telling you that I would die and go to the grave and that I would rise again and rebuild the temple in three days. But then you got a Thomas who's right in your circle. He's sitting at the table. He's watching you minister. He's there and he's there. He's not around when it all happens. But you got a Thomas a sign in your life after all of the hell I've been through after all of the hell I've been through after all of the hell I've been through you gonna stand in my face and doubt that I am who I am you got to be kidding me you are crazy you got to understand that Thomas is the craziest out of the three you gonna stay here and doubt my accomplishments? You're going to stand here and act like I don't exist? You're you going to stand here and act like I ain't won no championships? You're going to doubt my legacy? You're going to doubt my power? You're going to doubt my greatness? After you've seen me heal the blind, heal the sick, after you've seen me and heard me raise up Jairus' daughter, after you've seen me cause the woman with the issue of blood to be made whole, and now you're going to doubt who I am? you got to be kidding me. Now that joker gets on my nerves because I can deal with somebody who betrays me. I can deal with somebody who denies me, but I can't deal with somebody who's doubting my accomplishments. When you can just open up the book and read my story and understand that I am who they said I am. I am that I am. I'm the king of kings. I'm the lord of lords. I'm the prince of peace. I'm the wonderful savior. I am the counselor. And now you're going to deny. You're not going to deny? You going to deny you're going to doubt who I am Thomas was assigned to doubt that Jesus had been resurrected from the grave are you kidding me your brothers and sisters came and told you we saw Jesus stop fooling me when you know that Jesus has never lied to you when you know that Jesus has never put you in a place where you had to live in unbelief, where you know that Jesus has always been a man of his word and everything he set out to do, he did it. You're standing right there feeding the 5,000. You're standing right there, miracle after miracle. You heard about it and now you want to doubt who I am? That's a hater. That's what you call a hater. You want to doubt my accomplishments. Thomas was a hater. But that was his assignment. He was being used because he already had the issue of unbelief. He never believed from day one. It's just now coming out at the right time. 
Your Thomas will choose to believe otherwise because of fear. What are they going to do if they catch me with Jesus? They're going to kill me. Come on, man. Like, why you got to, if you're going to get up, just go out of town somewhere. I'm already dealing with the fact that you died and that you left me here, but now you're going to get up and let everybody see that you're around? Are you crazy? Thomas is dealing with an issue that he don't want to believe. Because of fear, your Thomas will challenge you with their own rationale and opinions because they don't believe. You, you got to be careful of Thomas. Well, I know that they said that you accomplished this, but, 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 but you, you, you know, I, I just have an issue with that because, you know, and, and the conversation is, is, is going all around and, and all around because LeBron James will never be better than Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan won six championships and he won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and he never lost a championship. But LeBron James is third in scoring at a younger age. He did it in another generation. LeBron James has broken every record that Michael Jordan has set. He's the man. He has his own business he's politically connected he's he's a social activist which Michael Jordan was never connected to his own community but when you hear about it you we compare greatness because of unbelief <laughs> when you begin to compare somebody else's greatness to another man's you don't believe what the other person has done you're you're doubting their greatness And you and I have to live with that all of our life. Jesus didn't get up from the cross. I mean, Jesus didn't get up from the grave. And, well, show it to me. Because Buddha didn't. Muhammad didn't. I, I mean, show it to me. I, there, there, is no, there is no scripture. There is no story that they saw Buddha. There is no story that they saw Krishna. There is no story that they saw Allah. There, there is no story. There, there is no debate about it. The only debate that they have is about the man called Jesus. So if there's a debate, then that means that it might be true. Because if you're debating about it, then that means there's a written story about it. There is no written story about Krishna. There is no written story about Buddha. There is no written story about the other gods. The only story that we talk about is Jesus Christ. Did he get up? Because you said, did he get up? It causes me to have a conversation. Because you're talking about it, it means that it really, really happened. Because there's a book that talks about it. There's history that talks about it. There's genealogy that talks about it. So because you doubt it, it means that it happened. Whew. Come on now. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Y'all hearing what I'm saying? He's the only man that's being debated right now in this season. Did he really die on the cross? I'll give that to you. Did he really get up? I'll give that to you. Did he really have nails in his hand? I'll give that to you. Your Thomas is going to push you. But if you really got an issue... Let's go. Jesus is the only one that says, I don't have a problem in proving who I am. Because I understand 
that you got an issue of natural unbelief and, and you got an issue of fear and you just really don't want to, you really just don't want to accept it. But go ahead, baby, and put it right there. Put it right in the middle, right in the middle. And when you pull it out, ain't going to be no blood. When you look at my hand, ain't no bruising, ain't no scar. Oh, Y'all really want to talk about it? Y'all really want to get real? How does a man die? How does a man die? Get up with no blood in his body. Get up with no bruising, no scars. Are y'all talking about Jesus? No, we're talking about the healer. How can I heal somebody else? And I go to the grave and my daddy don't heal me. If you want to doubt me, then just put your hand in my hand. Stick your hand in my side. Look at my feet. Look at the crown that was around my head. Then you can really see that I am Jesus. If you really want to talk about something, let's talk about that. Because you got to have blood. She's a nurse. Without blood, there can be no healing of a scar. Because if there was blood in his body, then there would have been bruising. They said there was no bruises. There was no scars. Come on, Joya, let's talk about it, daughter. That medically, that doesn't make sense. But guess what? The reckless love and the assignment in your life is never supposed to make sense either. So stop trying to make sense in how you love people. The reckless love of Jesus Christ is the reflection that should be in your life. Come on, lift your hands. Somebody say, I am Jesus. Uh, I am Jesus. When they see me, gonna look new when they see me again they ain't gonna see no scars they're gonna see a new man old things have passed away all things have become new Jesus is the epitome of walking in reckless love I am Jesus accept your Judas accept your Peter and accept your Thomas. But the application of your Thomas is that you got to do what? You've got to show and convince them that what they cannot see is real and true by comforting them to believe again. I love you. I appreciate you. This is what the life of Jesus Christ is all about. When you want to talk about him, let, let's talk about him. If you want to argue with somebody, just simply ask them, well, then where's the blood? There was holes in his hand. How do you still have a hole in your hand? How do you still have a hole, not a nail print, a hole? Because the Bible says that, that he, he, he wanted to put his hand through the hole. So that meant that you heard about it. I know some people will say, oh, that's just a narrative. And, you know, that's just, that's just a story. It ain't a story. It's true. If you're going to believe anything, believe the gospel that Jesus died. He was buried. And he got up. He rose again. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never let anybody steal that away from you. He died, he was buried, and he 
rose again. Well, how did the stone get rolled away? Who cares? It was rolled away. I don't care who moved it. It was rolled away. Whether an angel did it, whether 500 soldiers came out there and did it. But nobody can take away the fact that he was in the tomb. Nobody can take away the fact that he was on the cross. And nobody can take away the fact that they saw him again. I love you. Come on.